Hi, this is Ed Diaz, Executive Director of 7117 Ministries. Welcome to our podcast, Israel Past, Present, and Future. As always, there will be a link in the show notes if you want to follow along while I teach. I've been to Israel now more than 40 times, and I have a great love for God's land and his people. Hopefully, these podcasts will equip and prepare you to better understand the role of Israel in God's program for us and for the world. So let's get right into episode number nine. And uh, today we're going to talk about Israel in the tribulation. Just imagine for a minute, Jesus has come to the heavens. The believers have heard the trumpet, the voice, the archangel of God, and instantly the church is gone from the world. Worldwide chaos ensues, but then suddenly a voice of reason appears, the charismatic one with supernatural power, the second person of the satanic trinity, the one that we know as the Antichrist. And he offers the world hope. He brings about a worldwide peace and for some time order is restored. And there actually is a unity among the citizens of the world, which allows them to endure the early judgments recorded in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, 8, and 9. The seals are broken and the trumpets of God are blown. And then it happens midway through the tribulation, the abomination of desolation. And that's where we find ourselves in the tribulation period, particularly as we approach halfway through this seven-year period, we find Israel in a difficult place. And in the handout, you see there are four distinct groups of Jews during the tribulation. And they don't always occur at the same time, and they certainly don't overlap at all. And Jews are coming to faith as a result of ministry of others. But the, the four distinct groups that I know of during these seven years uh, will be the many. They're called the apostate Jews. And they're going to enter the a seven-year uh, covenant that will begin the tribulation. They will sign the covenant agreement with the Antichrist. And later, they unfortunately, will take the mark of the beast, which is mentioned in Revelation uh, 13, verses 16, 17, and 18. It says, And he, the Antichrist, causes all, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, and the free and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads. And he decrees that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. And here is wisdom, and we're given the number as 666. There will be Jews, the apostate Jews, the ones who are not understanding that Christ is their Messiah at this point. And uh, they will take the mark of the beast, and as a result, uh, they will die in the worldwide persecution of the tribulation. Two-thirds of the nation will, be, uh, will perish during these last seven years on the planet. We read in our last episode from Zechariah chapter 13, it says about it will come about in all the land in verse eight, declares the Lord that two parts in it will be cut off and perish, but the third will be left in it. And so one third of the Jewish population will survive uh, the tribulation. And that will include the second group in our list. The second group are the 144,000 Jews. They are part of the one-third of the Jews that will survive the seven years of tribulation. These are the Jews who will be saved. They will also be sealed according to Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 to 17. They will be from every tribe of Israel, and they will speak all the languages known to man. And I guess that's the reason why God chooses the Jews for this ministry during this time. The average Jewish person today, and you'll find when you visit Israel, speaks four and sometimes more languages fluently. And these 144,000 Jewish evangelists can go out over the entire world sometime after the rapture of the church. And they have a worldwide revival because they can minister across culture and language barriers as no other group of people could be. And it says in, in 
Revelation chapter 7, verse 4, I heard the number of those who were sealed. They were 144,000 from every tribe of the sons of Israel. And then the tribes are listed. And the result of their ministry is verse 9. The Apostle John writing says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all the tribes, peoples, and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands, and they cried out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Again, this group of Jews was able to do what Israel was designed to do in the first place. Israel was created by God to be bridge builders, pontifaxes, people who could take the message of faith in Christ to the entire world. And this group realizes that. And so every nation, every tribe, every tongue has converts during these last seven years on the planet. When things are most bleak, God delivers. And he delivers by sending this incredible number of Jewish evangelists. So we have, first of all, the apostate Jews. Second, the 144,000 Jewish evangelists. And then third, are other Hebrew Christians. And these are Jews who will receive the Messiah due to the preaching of the 144,000. Or we're told in the book of Revelation chapter 11 uh, that others will come to faith as a result of God's two witnesses. Revelation 11, after the midpoint of the tribulation, God says, and I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands mentioned, I believe, in the prophecy of Zechariah. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire flows out of their mouth and devours their enemies. So even if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this way. These have the power to shut up the sky so that rain will not fall during the days of their prophecy. And they have the power over waters to turn them into blood. And the result is many scholars think these, these two prophets will represent Moses and Elijah with those two supernatural powers. At the height of their ministry, when they finished their testimony, verse 7, the beast that comes up out of the abyss will make war with them and overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is mystically called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. Those from the peoples and tribes and tongues will look at their dead bodies for three and a half days and will not permit their dead bodies to be laid in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and celebrate. It'll be like Christmas because these witnesses of God are dead. People will actually send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. But then at the end of the three and a half days, they come back to life. And because of their testimony and because of their ministry and because of their prophesying, these two witnesses will see many Jewish people come to faith in Christ other than the ones led to faith by the 144,000. And then the last and perhaps the most significant group of Jews during the tribulation period is group number four. This is the faithful remnant. We know that during this time, two-thirds of the Jews will be saved, but one-third will be delivered. They are what Romans 11 refers to as all Israel will be saved, all the faithful remnant of Israel who understands the Messianic claims and receive Jesus as their Messiah will come to faith. They are the key group involved in the second half of the tribulation. They will be dealt with separately according to Jeremiah 23 and Isaiah chapter 10. This includes Jews of the tribulation who become believers in the middle of the tribulation from chapter 11. It also includes all individual Jews who become believers as a result, as a result of the preaching of the 144,000 or the two witnesses of Revelation 11. Finally, it includes the remnant of Revelation 12 whom Satan will attack in a horrendous way. But these are people who will withstand the persecution and the anti-Semitism 
which the world has never seen. As bad as anti-Semitism has been, as bad as anti-Semitism was, the faithful remnant will endure the worst anti-Semitism in history. And again, why is that? Because we're playing out the theological drama between the power of God and the power of Satan, the evil one, answering that dr dramatic question, who has the right to rule? Satan has always understood in the Old Testament that if he, if he destroyed the Jews, he could keep the Messiah, the promised deliverer from Genesis 3 and verse 15. He could keep him from coming. But once he came and went to the cross, Satan also understands that the key to his second coming, the key to the second coming of Christ to the earth to establish his kingdom is this faithful remnant. And they're going to be persecuted to the point that they cry out to God for deliverance. They will say, Hosanna, Lord, save us. Come and he, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. At that time, the book of uh, Jeremiah chapter 23 says in verse 7, uh, I'm sorry, it's in verse yeah, seven. Therefore declares, therefore behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they will no longer say as the Lord lives who brought up the sons of Israel from the land of Egypt, but rather God is going to bring people to faith. The days are coming, verse five, when I will raise up for, a, for David a righteous branch and he will reign as king and act wisely. So the, the messianic kingdom has a hope. It is a sure hope. And these people in the righteous and faithful remnant are going to endure anti-Semitism, many to the point of death. But when they cry out to the Lord for deliverance, he is going to come and establish his kingdom on the earth and destroy all of their enemies. So knowing that there are these four groups of Jews who are living through the midst of the tribulation, knowing that the faithful remnant will survive, that will include at least one third of the Jewish people on the earth at the time of the rapture, we now come to the middle of the tribulation, and there are many things that go on at the three and a half year mark. And that's all listed in Revelation chapter 10, all the way through verse 14. I'm not going to cover all eight of those events, but I am going to deal with the ones specific to the Jews, because that again is our purpose, Israel past, present, and this is in the future. The first thing that affects the Jews direct, directly is the abomination of desolation. We've mentioned it before, but in the middle of the tribulation, the Antichrist will defile the temple. He has been the politi political leader on the earth. He is no longer content uh, to do that. He had built for the Jews a temple on Mount Zion, but now he will demand total uh, worship by the Jews and everyone else who wish to uh, participate in, in the world uh, policies and economies. Matthew chapter 24 says this is not a good time for the Jewish people. He says in Olivet Discourse in verse 15 of Matthew 24, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, by the way, I believe that's Daniel 11 and verse 13, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Now they're in the mountains of Judea, but they're going to flee to different mountains. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Whoever's on the housetop must not go down to get the things that are uh, things out that are in his house. Whoever's in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. Uh, get out of there quickly, basically. Verse 19, woe to those who are pregnant, because it would be very difficult to uh, take uh, a pregnant woman into the wilderness of Edom. And to those who are nursing babies in those days, but pray, verse 20, that your flight will not be in the winter. Again, I've been in Jerusalem in the winter, and uh, there can be snow, and it is difficult to travel in bad weather in the snow in the mountains of Judea in the winter. 
or on a Sabbath. And again, I would guess Sabbath is going to be difficult because there's no public transportation available in the land even to this day. Uh, and certainly on into the future during the tribulation, you won't be able to get out of Jerusalem or Israel with public transportation. For then, Jesus says, then, verse 21, there will be a great tribulation. So we've been in tribulation now these last three and a half years, he calls a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. All of Satan's efforts to destroy the Jewish people will now culminate in these last three and three and a half years of world history. Satan, who is trying to answer the question, I want you to worship me. And God says, no, uh, I want you to worship me. God is creating his forever family, but the Jews as they play out their role in this, are extremely persecuted. In fact, verse 22, Jesus says, unless those days have been cut short, in other words, if, if it had lasted more than three and a half years, then no life would have been saved. But Jesus says, for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. And again, I take it that the elect there are the elect of Israel who are part of this uh, faithful remnant that we have uh, just talked about. So the abomination of desolation begins the last three and a half years called the Great Tribulation, things will be worse on the earth for the Jewish people than in their history. Part of the problem is, number two, the mark of the beast. Revelation 13 says that if you want to participate in the world economy, you better receive this mark. It says he, the Antichrist, causes all, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. So the believers during the tribulation, both Gentile believers and Jewish believers, will refuse this mark. And by doing so, they are worthy of death and many will be uh, killed. They will be uh, put to death because they won't bow to the, to the image of the Antichrist in the Jewish temple, nor will they receive this mark. It might be something as simple as a tattoo. It might be something as complex as a computer chip. We're not sure what the mark is. We know the number of the beast is 666, but we won't know exactly what that means until it all unfolds. So those well-intentioned people who try to identify men as the Antichrist by adding up the numbers in the letters of their names, I just think they're, uh, they're wrong. I think they're sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. So the Jews, third, once the abomination of desolation happens and the mark of the beast is required, they must escape to the mountains in Matthew 24, which we've already read. The reason for that, again, verse 21, there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world, nor ever will. Since the beginning of the world in Genesis 3, when God promised that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent, is the reason why we have anti-Semitism and it will build and culminate during these last three and a half years. Jesus says again, unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of those elect Jews, I believe they're the faithful remnant, those days will be cut short. So at this time, we see that there are three and a half years or 1290 days of extreme anti-Semitism. And so what will the Jews do? Well, the good news is there's a place for them to hide. During these days, this faithful remnant will hide and be protected miraculously by God in the place called Basra, Micah chapter 2 and verse 12. Basra is also mentioned in other places in the New Testament, Isaiah 34 and Isaiah 63. When Christ comes back at the second coming, he will defeat uh, his enemies and the enemies of Israel there at Basra. But Micah chapter 2 and verse 12 
Uh, again, Basra is, is a wonderful place, and it exists today in the New Testament time in the Greek world. It was called Petra. I would encourage you if you ever get a chance to visit. It's amazing. He says in Micah 2, I will surely assemble, O Jacob, all of thee, all of the faithful remnant. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together as the sheep of Basra, as the flock in the midst of their fold. They shall make a great noise by reason of the multitude of men. So God has a place. He's prepared a place. Basra, the Jews will escape over the Jordan River into the land of Edom in the Old Testament, the land of Jordan today. And during these last three and a half years, the last point of our talk today is the promise of God's protection. God promises the Jews, first of all, that they will be protected from their enemies. Isaiah chapter 48, beginning in verse 8, he says, But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen. You see, God doesn't distinguish between the northern and the southern tribes here. Descendant of Abraham, my friend, you whom I have taken from the ends of the earth. Again, that's the end times, the regathering of the, of the Jewish people. And called from its remotest parts. And I said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not rejected you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous hand. So the promise of God is uh, victory over their enemies. Uh, Isaiah 41, verse 17, he promises that even though they're in the desert, uh, they will not need uh, to suffer thirst. In verse 17 of 41, Isaiah says, the afflicted and needy are seeking water, but there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst. Then God says, I, the Lord, will answer them myself. As the Lord God, as the God of Israel, I will not forsake them. God says, I will open rivers on the bare heights and springs in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land fountains of water. And so, again, the reason for that is verse 20, that they may see and recognize and consider and gain insight as well, that the hand of the Lord has done this and the Holy One of Israel has created it. So God is promising these Jews in the wilderness, in Basra, during the last years of the tribulation on the earth, victory over their enemies, promise of water in the desert, and then lastly, food, provisions for the remnant and punishment for those who reject their Messiah. Isaiah 65 verse 8 says, as the new wine is found in the cluster, as one says, and one says, do not destroy it where there's benefit in it. So I will act on behalf of my servants in order not to destroy all of them. Again, one third of the nation will be delivered because of their faith in the Messiah. God says in verse 9, I will bring forth offspring from Jacob and an heir of my mountains from Judah. Even my chosen ones shall inherit it and my servants will dwell there. And he begins to talk about the deliverance that they will have uh, as a result of his protection for those three and a half years there uh, in, in Basra. And the enemies will be in big trouble. He says to the enemies of Israel, behold, my servants will eat, but you enemies, you will be hungry. My servants will drink, but you will be thirsty. My servants will rejoice, but you will be put to shame. My servants will shout joyfully with a glad heart but you will cry out with a heavy heart and you will wail with a broken spirit. You will leave your name for a curse to my chosen ones and the Lord will slay you, but my servants will be called by another name because he who is blessed in the earth will be blessed by the God of truth and he who swears in the earth will, will swear by the God of truth because the former troubles, the former literally, literal tribulations are forgotten and because they are hidden from my sight. 
So we have this great picture, although there's bad news for the Jewish people during these last years of world history. There's a great promise and a great hope and a great future. So whatever tribulation you're going through today, understand that God loves you. Uh, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you're able. First Corinthians 13 tells us. And whatever it is you're going through, it won't be as bad as these Jewish people go through in the end times. And we know that Christ went through the ultimate tribulation for us on the cross. So for that, we say thank you. Amen and amen. 